0: Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Uh, Philippians 2, we'll start in verse number one. Philippians 2 and verse number one, and it says this, If there be, therefore, any consolation... In Christ now he starts off if if if, if there's going to be this consolation in Christ and uh, and uh, it, it's interesting sometimes though when if shows up in the English uh, in the English text we're so used to if then if this happens then this and uh, in, in the Greek it doesn't require that uh, but it's more of a statement of fact and he says uh, there is a consolation in Christ and it needs to be manifest in the church and say what's consolation consolation is is a comfort. He is a coming alongside for the sake of comfort, and and, uh, and 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 here in this part we're going to talk about kind of what is the goal of a healthy church. There there must be a consolation in Christ. Now, for for to, for Christ's consolation, that comfort, that encouragement, for Christ's consolation to be forefront in His church, it's going to be expressed through His people. It says in 2 Corinthians uh, 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 chapter one, it talks about again this word consolation. And, and comfort of the Holy Ghost and and and, uh, uh, and, and what is talking about there? If there be any consolation, uh, how God, the God of all comfort who comfort us in our tribulation or our trials, that we with the comfort we've been comforted with might be a comfort to others, those that, that, that have that need. So, so one of the great aspects of it is as you and I learn what it is to walk with God, you and I learn what it is to live in the comfort of Jesus Christ, it, it, it's, it's not only contagious, it becomes the character of that assembly, so, so when, when believers are walking in that together, that comfort of Christ, and others uh, uh, join the company, there is, there is a comfort there. Not a burden, but a comfort. You know, I'm reminded in, uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'm going to jump over there real quick. A, a passage just kind of came to my mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says this, off quoting Second Corinthians chapter 1, I'll just continue. Yes, here it is. So Paul is uh, is writing to the church of Corinth, of course, and uh, the second epistle to the Cor- Corinthian church is more of an encouragement and is much more, okay, now that we got a lot of the, the hard things, the difficult things out of the way, let's go to some more encouraging, instructive things. And, uh, and in verse 24, the last verse of chapter 1, uh, I love what Paul says to this church. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. And uh, what a what a thought! Um, you know, the Bible talks about us pastors not lording over God's heritage, um, uh, being, or lording over the flock, and so forth. And and, and I think about that, that. Not that we have uh, dominion over your faith. Hey, it's your faith. You need to walk with God. But my job, what I want to do is I want to be a helper of your joy. I want to see you grow, and I want to see you get excited about things of God. And so how does that happen? Well, as God has grown me, as I've experienced some of that consolation of Christ, uh, what what happens? It, It becomes a part of me that I could be a comfort to others who are in any need because I've experienced the comfort of Christ. So, you have a healthy church that is saying we've all been comforted by Christ. so what do we what do we want to do? We want to be a comfort and help to others. and so so again, in Philippians two verse one, therefore, my brethren, uh, dearly uh, I'm sorry, that was chapter four, chapter two uh, if there be any uh, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, comfort of love, hey, do we do we love one another? Uh, boy, what a commonly repeated command that you love one another, and and uh, uh, do we love one another? Another place it talks about loving others with a with a fervent love and a pure. Often is bowels, bowels of mercy, uh, my innermost, uh, my love. When I think of my fellow believers, when I think of those that are part of the body that I'm a part of, does love abound? If there's a, a, a consolation in Christ, comfort. Which is a near word, comfort of love, and if and then if any a fellowship of the spirit, fellowship of the spirit. We talked about that before uh, yesterday. It talks about um, uh, they stand fast in one uh, in one spirit. There's a unity of spirit, and, and by the way, uh, it mentions this in First Corinthians. Uh, you know if you've got the spirit and you've got the spirit and you've got the spirit and and uh and, and we all have the same spirit of God there's going to be an automatic unity when there's another spirit or a different spirit in the mix uh there's there's a there's a questioning of it this is not familiar this is a, of another spirit and so uh so it's very important that we have a fellowship of the spirit what does that come from that comes from our our belief, our thought process, again, coming from that innermost. Mercy flows, love flows, a fellowship of the Spirit. This is the sign of a healthy church. That There's a consolation in Christ, a comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, bowels of mercies. And verse number two, if those things are present, he says this, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. Now, again, the Apostle Paul, who loved this church, now he's under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, but, but let's look at the character behind, uh, the heart behind writing this, and that is Paul, who loved this church and is encouraging and challenging them. He said, I want to hear of your affairs, whether I come in and be with you or be absent. I want to hear of your affairs, that you stand fast uh, in, in, in one spirit, You know, for the, uh, strive striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, I want to hear about these things. If there be any, I'm any, uh, sorry, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. All right, and so let's kind of break that down a little bit. We saw yesterday about you know we talked about about unity. Part of that unity, it says, uh, uh, "Fulfill my joy that you be like-minded." Um, one of the things that we that uh, uh, we mentioned in our um. um the Church Covenant. There it is, <laughs> and um, it mentions in the, in the last part. It says, "If uh, if God leads us away from this place, we will as soon as possible uh, find a like-minded church or a church that that fulfills the spirit of this constitution." And um, and I think that that's so important. The problem with the church today is that we've set aside uh, we've set aside so much uh, of the things that are important, the things that God emphasizes for the sake of unity, for the sake of, of uh, you know, coming together. Let's just set aside all our differences. We're going to hold hands and Kumbaya. And, and really what ends up happening is you've got these surface-level sermons that are all about feeling good and all about, you know, uh, uh, you know and, and they'll brag and say, you know, we don't get into all that. We just emphasize Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. And it sounds wonderful, but hang on. What is one of the names of Jesus? The Word. You see, it can't be all about Jesus if it's not all about the word and uh, the logos of God. And and so so we, we, we only understand Jesus and we only really emphasize Jesus as we emphasize his word. In fact, in the Psalms, the psalmist said that God has elevated, he's esteemed his word above his own name. And so that's where our like-mindedness comes from, from the word of God. You see, there comes a point. There are a lot of just heretical doctrines floating around and, and things. And I've, uh, in, my, in my life, in my ministry, I've had to run off people that have divisive doctrines. I've had to, I've had to chase them off. Why? Because it's going to be unhealthy. It's going to remove the like-mindedness. I'm not saying we should have a bunch of robots. I'm not saying we, you know, everybody has to think the exact same way. There are going to be some little things here and there that we disagree on. But then there are going to be some major things that the Bible gives very clear indication you are to separate from. And so he says, mark them that cause divisions contrary to the doctrine which ye have received, and avoid them. All right, Uh, I believe it's in Titus. It says, after the second or third uh, admonition, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, basically have no fellowship with a heretic. Uh, uh, After you've admonished him, after you've uh, shown him two or three times, uh, have nothing to do with him. Get away from the heretic. And so why? Because it takes away, when you've taken away from that like-mindedness, there's confusion uh, and, and, and there's uh, uh, y- things start to fall apart. And so so like-minded, having the same love. What is our love? What is our passion? What are we going at? Again, uh, 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 unity is not uniformity. There's a singleness of mind, a singleness of direction, but here's what's awesome. Uh, as it says in 1 Corinthians, there's a diversity of, of, uh, of gifts, but one spirit. You see, there are different personalities, there are different strengths, and weaknesses, and all this stuff, but there's a singleness saying, here's where we're going as a church, and we're on board. We're excited about it. We're going forward. Um, there was a uh, uh, story that always comes to mind when I come across this passage. There's a very well-known pastor I was sitting down with one time, and uh, he's not one that I would agree with uh, in many, many areas. I, I think he's a heretic, quite honestly. Um, but a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of pastors, a lot of good churches are swallowing up his books and and things, but, but I've seen the fruit of his ministry and, and, um, but anyways, we were talking and he uh, he had come back from a, a big conference that he uh, spoke at in Africa. And it was very, it was interdenominational. It was uh, a very ecumenical thing. The thing I'm very, the very thing I'm talking about, about, you know, let's set aside everything that might divide us for the sake of unity. And let's come together for this common purpose. By the way, it sounds very nice. and But really the root of it is humanism. When you take that, run through the scriptures, you're not going to find that. See, you don't see... Uh, you don't see Elijah sitting down with the prophets of Baal saying, let's come to an agreement. By the way, some of those prophets that were with Baal were prophets of Jehovah that had compromised. All right? Um, and so you just you don't find that concept. So, so uh, it's this interdenominational thing, uh, people that he was preaching with, sharing the stage with, uh, that, that he would not agree with doctrinally if you pin them down on their doctrinal statement. Well, they came to a question and answer time. And the question came to him, and, uh, and uh, he was asked uh, what he believes. And, and by the way, that's not his opinion. That's what the Bible says. Okay, uh, it forbids that. But uh, so, so, he, so he kind of played the plot part of a politician and said, uh, well, you know, more important than that. And he pulls out this verse. He says more important than that is that we just we set aside some of those few, those differences so that we can have unity and as Paul said, you know fulfilling my joys be like minded having the same love, being of one accord one mind and uh, and so so let's you know let 's set aside a few of those things so we can be of one accord and i 'm thinking to myself. That's not what it says. That is the exact opposite of what that passage says. What the passage says is what unifies us is the fact that we are uh, 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 like-minded. We agree on doctrine. We agree on, on these very important issues. All right, again, there are some things that we may differ here and there, but uh, but i tell you what, we need to agree on the fundamentals. We call them that for a reason. They are fundamental to the faith. And uh, um, uh, there needs to be that one accord. There needs to be that one mind. And, and again, it's not robots. You have to check all these boxes, but, but rather the spirit of it. Hey, uh, do we come to agreement that God's word is true? Let God be true and every man a liar. If that's the case, then we can come to the scriptures, open it up, study it, find out what God has to say, and. Come to some conclusions, you see, and so we've had to separate from people that teach uh, uh, heresy. Works-based salvation, uh, for example, is a big one. Um, <clears throat> various aspects of covenant theology uh, will tear apart a church. Uh, we'll do a study sometime on just that on uh, covenant theology. Uh, or not 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 just covenant theology. Um, Reform theology, that's, that's the word, which which includes some of that, but. Um, Uh, But anyways, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, So he says this, uh, verse number three. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Strife, fighting, bickering. Hey, that's not how we do it. In fact, it, it mentions in 1 um, in Corinthians, it talks about uh, not taking a brother to law or suing uh, a brother. And he says, uh, he says, aren't you guys able to do that? Don't you realize you'll be judging the angels? He says, he, he goes on and I'm paraphrasing, but the lowest member of the body, the lowest member of the church should be able to judge these matters. But you're going to go to lost people to judge it. Very similarly, here, here, here's the concept. We should be able to weigh these matters without it being strife. Would I be be a driven? But let me just say, the heart of all the strife is that second part, vainglory. Vainglory. You know why we have to have our voice heard. You know why we have to insert ourselves is because there's an a- aspect of vanity, this vainglory in there. The Bible says, only but uh, only by pride cometh contention. But 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 well, with the, uh, yeah, only by pride comes contention. That's the only thing that co- brings brings contention, by, brings fights, pride which is vainglory. I desire this glory, which is just vanity. It's emptiness. But let me just say, uh, you look at every church fight, you look at everything, there's someone in there who is out of place. Someone in there who's not submitting in some level, and maybe someone in there is not asserting his position. God has a way of doing things decently in order, and and, uh, what you're going to find when things are out of balance, there's vainglory somewhere, and it needs to be stopped. It's only going to cause more division. It's only going to cause more strife. In fact, when Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, he talks about uh, how he hears uh, that there are divisions among them. And he says, and I believe it. And there must also be heresies. See, the division leads to heresy. And he says that they which are approved may be made manifest. Hey, there's the silver lining in that cloud. Uh, The good thing about bickering and the good thing about when there is division, hey, we shouldn't have division. We we should be of one mind and and, uh, and 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 all the things we looked at. But the good thing when there is, it, got, it it allows God's leaders to come to the surface, so that they which are approved may be made manifest. You see, it'll stomp out the vainglory. Everyone's going to see it. Whoa, that's vainglory. That's not that's not unity. That's that's strife and vainglory. Hey, let's let's set that aside. And here's the heart behind it. But here's a contrast. In lowliness of mind. What's lowliness of mind? Humility. Remember, by pride comes contention. Humility, lowliness of mind. That's how you think about yourself. Lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Folks, this is about as as, as anti-humanist as anti-self and flesh and uh, the problem. We love ourselves way too much. So, what is it saying? Esteeming others better than ourselves. We look at somebody and we say, they're a better Christian than I am. They, 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 they uh, you know, you were seeing them on a higher plane. You say, that's impossible. Yeah, it's impossible because you're full of yourself. You're full of vain glory. You don't see people that way. And, and let me just say, when you start understanding this concept, you are going to have freedom to give people the benefit of the doubt. Hey, here, here's the reality. When someone's wrong, they're going to they're gonna dig their own grave. They're going to bury themselves. But I don't want to be the one holding the shovel. I don't want to be the one assisting them in that. I want to give the benefit of the doubt. I want to, you know, look at the list of charity the Bible lays out in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, You know, uh, it hopeth all things. It it endureth all things. You know, uh, this whole list, and we're saying, we don't act that way. No way. But esteeming others better than themselves. I was going to go into verse 4, but I think I might wrap it up there. Uh, Let me just mention it. Look not every man on his own things, but on the every man. Uh, but every man also on the things of others. Now I like that because it's, it's not saying don't don't worry about your stuff, just care about others. You need to care about you. You need to take care of yourself. You don't get yourself in trouble uh, so you can help somebody else. Uh, we need to do things decently in order. You see, any man that takes uh, doesn't take care of his own, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel. So you have to take care of your own. Then you look on others. So it says, look on every man on his own things. And the concept there is your own things only. But uh, 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 every man also simultaneously on the things of others. So as I'm taking care of myself, I'm also seeing, oh, you have needs. Uh, There are other things going on. For example, I'm feeding my family. And there's extra. I see there's someone who doesn't have any need. Hey, come join. I'm looking also on the things of others. And and uh, we need to balance that out. Because we're so full of ourselves and we see ourselves better than others, we don't see the needs of others. But if we have a lowliness of mind, that humility that seeks the needs of others, I, like Christ always moved with compassion on others. He sees where more they're at. Uh, we have, we'll have this concept that says, Because I'm esteeming you better than myself, I'm also looking upon your needs. I'm looking at it. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ.